Welcome to another episode of the Chronically Healing Podcast with your hosts, Jesse Fritz and Christina Sangera. We're so excited to have you guys again for episode number, what are we on? 103? Three, yeah. Mm-hmm. 103, because I know we record in a different manner than they get posted. Mm-hmm. I loved this. I also loved that you got some really good stuff for your journey. I thought that was super powerful. Mm-hmm. Before we jump in, though, I just need to complain about this mother effing full moon that just went down. <laughs> right. Fun fact about the full moon, you guys. So if you have gut issues, namely if you have parasites, they hatch around the full mm-hmm. moon and they increase cortisol and decrease melatonin. So my hubby, my best friend, neither of them slept last night. I mm. preemptively took melatonin because if I don't take melatonin during the full moon, I will just straight up not sleep. Jesse, did you sleep okay last night? Are you going to ruin you know, my theory? No, I, I slept, but I woke up a bunch. Um, mm-hmm. But I was going to just ask you, like, I was in, I was like, like a war zone yesterday. I was so angry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I was just yes. in the worst mood yesterday. It was crazy. Like I haven't been in that bad of a mood in so long. Yeah. So the full moon this month is must be really powerful. I didn't used to think it. So I would I would message my natural doctor and I'd say, oh, I didn't sleep. She's like, oh, it's the full moon. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> but now I'm starting to think it's a thing because like clockwork, my sleep gets really dicey around this mm-hmm. time. And then I find it disgusting that it's likely that I have parasites hatching <laughs> in my gut. I don't I know. even know what to do with that. I and know. I and I don't have the patience to go through the detox that you have to go through because <laughs> that sucks too. So right. we're just stuck with parasites, I guess. <laughs> we're just gonna live with those. I sometimes I just think the full moon just makes people crazy in general, right? Like oh, yeah. even without yeah. the I mean, I think it's like a well-known thing that hospitals tend to have a lot more issues come up and they also tend to have a lot more births because women's yeah. cycles are usually not not, you know, obviously giving birth is different than your cycle, but they tend to be like incorporated mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just it's weird like what that little white looking cheese ball does in the sky. <laughs> well, I even heard my three-year-old tossing and turning because I hear her oh, on really? a little monitor. Yeah, she was tossing and turning. I'm like, no one took melatonin. Told y'all. <laughs> Should have just said what I did. <laughs> I didn't sleep amazing, but I slept better than normal. Usually yeah. on the full moon, I feel like I don't sleep at all. So yeah. anyway, I digress. <laughs> Let's chat real quick. Let's give people an overview of what to expect from today's episode. I feel yeah, like which Jessie, isn't about the full moon. <laughs> it is not. It has nothing to do with that whatsoever. We just, I felt like I needed to get that off yeah. my chest. Right. Jesse, I feel like you're really good with bullet points. So what are some things that stood out to you from this episode? You are. You're really good at on-the-go bullet points. You know I love your <laughs> writing style, so I also therefore love your speaking style. Thanks. Um, I feel like, so with Lynn, we talked a lot about her story with being misdiagnosed. We kind of dove into all of us in the chronic illness space and how we've dealt with misdiagnosis. Um, one of the things that we really dove into with, that I really enjoyed was like talking to your body and that like how difficult that can be. And she kind of gave us some really good tangible tips on how you can learn to listen to your body, listen to the symptoms that come up because symptoms are trying to tell you stuff. And I, you know, personally just shared my journey with like having a really hard time listening to my body. And sometimes I don't want to listen to my body and I'm, I feel very disconnected to my body and there's a lot of like negative feelings and stuff around it. So we kind of went into that and what she helps her clients with, um, and how, how to listen to your body, but also talk to your body. It's this conversation, right. That's constantly happening. And, and yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Hopefully were those good bullet points. (laughs) They were really good. And I was actually going to piggyback that. That was my favorite part of the episode by far. Mm -hmm. I love it when guests give us tangibles that our Mm -hmm. listeners can take away from the minute they stop the episode, they have something that they can try for their journey. I -hmm. liked the questions that she asked too. So I, I think that our listeners will love that because I understand it from from a basic level, but now I actually have some questions I can ask to go deeper. Kind of like when you have journal, if you have a journal and you just mm-hmm. try to journal, you're not mm-hmm. going to have as much come out of your your head as if you had prompts. Right. When you have journal prompts, you're going to get more that starts flowing. And I think the same can be said for when we speak to our bodies and we have specific questions. So I loved the specific questions. I'm going to try that. I'm just going to look like a freak. I'm going to be talking <laughs> to myself in my backyard. Just 
asking my body some things, you know. <laughs> At this point, I have no shame anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> I don't right. know about you, but the older I get, I, I have like zero shame. I, I don't even right. know where it went. It just ran off. I mean, the older we get, and I just feel like when you have like chronic symptoms, eventually you just like can't, yeah, you can't I just care own it. about it. Anymore, we got to right? own it. You got to right. own your weirdness. In fact, I, I, I feel like as we get older, owning our weirdness is to me like its own badge of honor. I, right. I have no interest in living in high school, post high school. So right. all the weirdos, all the freaks, let's be friends. <laughs> let's, yeah, let me just say that. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I definitely say, think they'll like it. Yeah, no, I agree. And I will say on the weirdo thing, like I, I'm an, a, I'm an Aquarius. I love astrology. So anybody that's listening in Aquarius, I'm just, I've always known that I was weird like that's And I've always been okay with it, but there are some things like, even when I come on the podcast, I'm like, yo, so who wants to hear about my poop today? <laughs> like I have <laughs> no issue. And I think that's where for me, like the weirdness has always been something that I kind of connected with, but like now I have absolutely no shame when it comes to like bodily things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. just like, yo, this happened today. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but... That sounds to me like one of your core values is authenticity, <laughs> which is one of mine. Yes. I'm like that. Mm -hmm. So in the spirit of getting to the episode, I want to <laughs> make sure I do not forget again, leave <laughs> us a review, leave us what what are the things leave us i'm still learning i'm still learning okay you do this part so, yeah just leave us a review make sure that you're following and subscribe to the podcast so that there we go the reviews really help us grow and it's not a lie i know that like all podcast people tell you to do this but it truly is leaving a review is what helps us grow and it helps us kind of pop up in the rankings in podcasts so we really appreciate any any review left for us make sure that you're following us on instagram it's chronically healing podcast and then make sure you're following our Facebook group as well, which I believe is chronically healing community. They'll all be linked in the show notes and the blog posts as well. But just in case you're just listening, you can click on over or head on over and follow us over there. But we really appreciate any review that you leave. And, and yeah, if there's ever anything that you want to hear on the podcast, shoot us an email, send us a DM. Um, we would love to hear from you guys right now. We're just doing guest episodes, but we are hoping eventually to start doing some quote unquote solo episodes with just Christina and I. So if there's ever anything that you guys want to hear about from us, like the full moon or, you know, poop <laughs> anyway, but I feel like we've rambled for a really long time, which I hope you guys are loving. I like these types. Of I love intros. the rambly quite frankly. Mm -hmm. So if other people don't, I don't know, we'll have to figure right. that out. Well, they can fast forward. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward through the rambling. Yeah. We like it. So please fast forward anyway. So let's jump into Lynn's episode. I know that you guys are all going to love it. You're going to love her and I can't wait for you guys to learn more from her. Hi everyone. And welcome. Welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse Fritz, and I'm here with Christina Sangera. We're super excited to be back with you again this week. So today's episode is with Lynn Delmastro Thompson. We're super excited to have you today, Lynn. So if you don't mind, why don't we jump right in? Why don't you give us a little background on your experience with chronic illness and who you are for the listeners today? Yeah, definitely. So I'll just kind of start by sharing my story, which started in my mid-20s. And I was in grad school pursuing a PhD and I was um, about three years into my program. Yeah, three years when this happened. And I was scheduled for elective surgery one summer. So it wasn't something that, you know, was, I, I knew anything was really wrong with me. It was just elective surgery and went and had all the pre-op blood work done. And the night before the surgery, I get the phone call that nobody really wants to receive. And it was mm -hmm. my surgeon saying, Hey, I got your pre-op blood work and something looks really weird. Um, you know, and he said to me, I remember, you know, don't panic. We want you to just run back over to the hospital, have them run the labs again, just in case there's an error. Cause sometimes that can happen, you know, don't panic yet. So I did that, rushed over there, and an hour later, I get another phone call, which is, again, not a phone call you want to get. And he said, yeah, not a lab error. I can't do surgery because there's something, quote, wrong with your blood work. And that was basically how I was kind of left, other than go see your primary doctor, surgery is canceled. So it was kind of, you know, left with that, like, I have no idea what's wrong other than something looks off with your blood work. Mm -hmm. I think the next day I got in to see my primary doctor who again, didn't tell me a whole lot of, you know, information just said, let's run some more tests. So I had more labs done and 
I think another day or two later, I get a phone call from another doctor who I'd never met before, which was highly strange to get a phone call from like a doctor period. And then a doctor you don't know. And he said, well, how are you doing today? And I said, other than freaked out that some doctor that I don't know is calling me and, you know, um, I'm okay. And he said, well, if you don't have any symptoms, you can stay home tonight and come meet me at the hospital tomorrow morning. But if you have any symptoms of anything, and I was like, what symptoms, but I was so shocked. I didn't even think to ask that, um, you know, come to the hospital immediately. So spent a horrible tense night of like, what the heck is going on? What should I even be looking for? And no symptoms. So I show up the next morning and I meet this doctor. And basically that was just the beginning of this two week long rabbit hole that I went down. Um, basically they thought I had clotted off the veins that drain my liver, which obviously is not something that is a good thing to happen. And they had to figure out why that had happened. So then cue more specialists as probably many of your listeners are familiar with, you know, the specialist parade that can come through your Mm -hmm. hospital room (laughs) and trying to just figure out why did I do, why did I clot off these veins? And also what do we do to help get them opened back up? So I got sent, I was living in Santa Barbara at the time. I got sent to a bigger hospital outside of Santa Barbara because they said, we need to open up these veins. We've never done that here in this hospital. We want to send you somewhere where you're not a guinea pig, which was like, (laughs) yay, thank you. I'd like to go somewhere where they've done this procedure on someone before and continued the diagnostic process there. I think I was in Santa Barbara hospital for maybe like four days and then they transferred me. And about a week and change later, I finally had a diagnosis. And the diagnosis that they came up with at that time was chronic myelogenous leukemia. Mm -hmm. And yeah, very, very scary, as you can imagine, Mm -hmm. like hearing the word leukemia was like, you know, a bomb went off in the hospital room for me. And I was terrified. Um, immediately my mind raced to, do I need chemo? Like, what does this mean? Do I have to get a bone marrow transplant? Like all of the things that you think of when you think leukemia immediately flooded through my brain and I was freaking out. So the, the answer to that question of, you know, do I need bone marrow transplant? Do I need chemo was no, we're going to put you on this medication. That's like, was only maybe a year or two old. that they used to treat people with CML and sent me home, you know, and said, because they had gotten the liver veins opened back up while I was in the hospital. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just basically like, we're going to follow you, you'll be on this medication, go back about your life, you know, as, as you're able to. And that was kind of the beginning of this just very scary time in my life. I would come to find out three years later after kind of questioning that diagnosis and why I wasn't getting better, why when they kept saying the labs looked better, like why I actually was physically a lot worse. I I shrunk down and was like very low weight. Like people would come up to me and say, you don't look healthy. Like you're losing all this weight. It was like people thought I was on some crazy diet. And I was like, "Uh, no, I'm like (laughs) eating like a normal person best I can with this medication that makes me nauseous. Um, My body is just wasting. And after questioning and questioning and finally leaving my grad program, getting a different doctor, primary doctor and getting a different specialist, realized it was a misdiagnosis um, and that I'd been treated for the wrong thing for three years. Oh, my wow. (laughs) That and it's interesting because your intuition knew all along you had and I feel as women were kind of taught culturally and especially in the med- medical world to ignore our intuition and to listen to the experts because they know what's best. And one of the best quotes I ever heard was, yes, you are a doctor, but you have not lived with this for 10 years or whatever it is. And yes. when you live with something that impacts your quality of life, you are a detective. You are dedicated day in and day out. And you probably do know more than a lot of the people that you're going to for help because of that, right? You, it's like you become a detective by default. So that's so interesting. It's almost like you kind of, I don't want to say abandoned, but yeah, you trusted the experts, but that clearly didn't go well. And so when I was actually, I was questioning the whole time. I kept asking my primary doctor, I was like, 
because I had had such a negative experience with this hematologist who became, you know, my, my specialist and I didn't like him. Like he had done the bone marrow biopsy and only given me a local. And he told me before this, he said, all you're going to feel is some pressure, you know, and in my brain, I think I was like, it doesn't sound right, but you know, (laughs) he's the doctor, you know, like I've never had a bone marrow biopsy before and I couldn't even tolerate it. And so our first experience of each other was like this horrific experience of basically him causing me excruciating pain. And then he became my doctor, you know, because you know, he had already been familiar with my case, my uh, primary doctor, and he had gone to medical school. And so he had a high opinion of him and said, you know, he's the best in town. And I kept saying, but he doesn't really listen to me. And my primary doctor, when I would ask for a referral elsewhere, wouldn't give me one. Oh, wow. So it was like being caught in this web of, and I even went back up to the hospital that had, you know, diagnosed me and tried to get a second opinion. And that was like this crazy thing of, I get there and they look in, like I had been in the hospital for over a week. So obviously they have to have files on me, right? I get in this outpatient doctor's office with the doctor associated with them. She opens up a file folder and there's nothing in this file folder. And we had to spend like the whole time with her just like, telling her my history instead of her being like, oh yeah, I've read through your notes, you know? So I never got that like second evaluation that I wanted because she didn't have any of my information. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Like, I feel like misdiagnosis is something that I hear from people in the chronic illness space, like a lot, but being misdiagnosed with a form of cancer is just like, I mean, I can't even imagine that. So like how, how has that, or how did that diagnosis kind of shape you moving forward or shape the decisions you made with your health moving forward or like, how did you move forward from that? You know? Yeah. So, you know, for the first few years, I was just trying to kind of manage like, because I was getting the wrong medication and not the correct medication, like my health was declining. So I was just trying to kind of survive and then also trying to get somebody to listen to me when I kept saying, but you say my labs look better. Like, why do I feel worse? And why am I, you know, a human skeleton right now? So, you know, and then I was taking a medication that hadn't been around for very long that had some nasty side effects. And, you know, who knows? Like, I still look at it now and go, I wonder what that did to my body to be on that for three years when I didn't even need it. You know, it's one thing when you take something and it's actually like, the correct medication, but here we're talking about the incorrect medication. Mm. And, you know, so it, it just, the first few years I was just trying to manage. And I also, that was kind of where my journey with alternative healing began because nobody would listen to me mm. in that space. I started to say, okay, well, there's gotta be other things than just taking this horrible pill that makes me nauseous and have all these, you know, problems like somebody's got to be able to help me out there. Who can help me? You talk about how symptoms are messengers in the body. I love this concept and I wanted to dive deeper with you because I feel like so many people could benefit from that. And the reason being, I know myself and people that I work with, and I know Jesse's dealt with this, the viewpoint around symptoms is that they're annoying. I don't want to deal with my symptoms. Why are my symptoms here? I don't want them. And it's interesting. It's almost like you learned how to embrace your symptoms and what they're telling you. And I'm just curious, how has that alternative alternative view helped you on the journey? And then what does that really entail in terms of listening and thinking of it as a messenger versus, oh my gosh, another, you know, insert here um, yes. issue of the day? Right. Well, I mean, I didn't even begin with that perspective, right? In the beginning, after this diagnosis, I definitely can relate to people who found my symptoms annoying. I even felt like my body had betrayed me. Mm-hmm. And I kind of remember when that started to shift for me at first was when I started going to this class that was called yoga for healing. And it, you know, it was nothing like I had imagined, like I had been sent there by my therapist and I was like, you want me to go to a yoga class? You do realize that like, I, cause I, I thought I was going to something where I was going to be doing like headstands and like all these crazy things. I was like, mm-hmm. what are you sending me to? And it wasn't like that, you know, we were laying on the floor doing a lot of very gentle movements, breathing, you know, supported postures. And through that process over the course of months, I kind of came to like befriend my body and have these realizations like, 
oh, my body didn't fail me. It didn't betray me. It was really trying to do the best that it could. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, you know, I, I realized how I had also failed my body. Like I had had, you know, moments of realization in my graduate school program that I was completely miserable, that I was pursuing a path that I really hated. And yet I kept lying to myself and saying, well, you know, grad school is supposed to be miserable. Like this, you know, all the, the stupid beliefs that I told myself, this shouldn't be fun. I should be unhappy. Like, right. Nobody's happy in grad school, you know? So the more I, I denied my own truth, the more my body, like, you know, at first it was talking to me and other symptoms. And I really, you know, viewed what happened when I was 25 as like this, my body screaming, you know, hey, you're not paying any attention to me. You're not listening. Wake the heck up or, you know, or else. Mm -hmm. And in that realization, you know, through that yoga class and some other work that I did, it started to dawn on me. Oh, you know, my body is not the enemy. How can I befriend it? And how can I start to get curious about it? You know, and mm -hmm. now the way I teach people is very much like your body doesn't have words. It would be a lot more convenient, obviously, if our bodies could send us a text message or give us a phone call right. and say, hey, girl, you know, like, what the heck are you doing with your life? Or right. why are you eating that thing that you're allergic <laughs> to constantly? But it doesn't, you know, so the only way our body can communicate is through these symptoms, which we often find super annoying and frustrating and irritating. And then what are we done? What's done in our modern culture is we're conditioned to view the symptoms that way. And we're conditioned to view them as, oh, well, you know, you have a headache, just grab a Tylenol or take an Advil, you know, mm -hmm. make it go away instead of saying, hmm, I wonder, you know, why I'm having this symptom, why I'm having digestive problems you know, there's a, a lot of different reasons we could have a particular symptom and none of us are conditioned to be curious about it and say, hey, hmm. My body can't talk to me in words, so it's giving me a message. What could the message be? And then mm -hmm. digging in and getting really curious about that. And so it's like your body didn't actually betray you of anything. It's trying to communicate with you. It's it's saying, "Hey, hold on, something." I like that. That's I like that that viewpoint. I will say I am team band aid as needed, but then I totally believe in root cause. And the reason I say that is there are some people that I meet and they're just struggling. They, right. I, I was on that journey where I, I, I talk about it a lot and I'm sure people are like, shut up. I don't want to hear about your sleep journey anymore, <laughs> but <laughs> I had a really bad insomnia period, let's call it for about six months. And I would go 44 hours at a time with no sleep. Wow. My nervous system was just, we're not sleeping. We are waiting for the bear. That's it. Period. Yep. <laughs> We're going to get it's coming and yeah. I'm prepared. <laughs> I'm prepared. And so, you know, during that time I did take various herbs and things and I, I really fought. I never got into sleeping pills because that's a slippery slope, but I did learn, you know, every now and again, we do have to use certain things. But to your point, I feel like, you know, what are your thoughts on the natural things like herbs and tinctures and things? Do you consider those, let's call them band-aids, or do you consider those helpers, if you will? I think, you know, it can be a bit of both, right? I mean, I think they definitely can be helpers and, you know, anything natural, in my opinion, if there's an alternative to, you know, something pharmaceutical and synthetic is obviously a better choice if we can go mm -hmm. that route. Um, you know, but sometimes, yeah, it can become kind of like, if you're not looking at, okay, how do I try to resolve this on a deeper level? And I'm just going to keep using an herb forever or, you know, a tincture forever and, and never say, well, why is this happening? Yeah. It can kind of do a similar thing and maybe a little bit less harmful of a way, obviously to the body. Cause it's, you know, it's more natural. Yeah, I hear that. So you, one of your goals is to basically get away, which is great. So basically you want to help people get away from having to need the band-aids in the first place, be they natural or unnatural. And the body is just in balance. Right. The body is in balance. The body does what it's able to do, which is to really, you know, do a beautiful job of starting self-healing when we give it the right conditions. You know, yeah. like to your point, when your nervous system's all activated and, you know, you can't sleep your body can't heal very well. So it's like, if we can, you know, have a good nervous system regulation, if we can, you know, have our hormones in balance and all sorts of things, then our body really, you know, our body wants to heal. I always 
believe that that's the overall goal of our bodies is not to push us to being sick and having symptoms. It is to try to restore balance and health. Mm-hmm. I think so for me, it's interesting. I, up until very recently was kind of the poster child of ignoring the symptoms and band-aiding them with things, you know, like that's how I was brought up. I mean, I I've had migraines since the second grade. So I've been taking medication. Like anytime I start to get a headache, I would hit it with some sort of caffeine, some sort of medication. You know, I remember going to the doctor when I was younger and I had acne. So they put me on the birth control pill and then I got adult acne and then I was on Accutane and Accutane messed up my body super badly. So they put me on another medication to help with that. And then they put me on a new, um, they put me on the Marina IUD, but that ignited my acne again. So then they put me on spironolactone to cover the acne. And then I was on supplements because I was dizzy from the, the spironolactone and it was just right. like, <laughs> all this stuff. And I started working with a naturopath and she was like, you got to get off some of this stuff. You know, I still take my migraine pills, but when I need to, because I just haven't figured out the root cause of those enough yet to get rid of them. And I just can't go, you know, three days with a migraine, but I I grew up with migraines. So I know they're, they're excruciating and sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. (laughs) Right. Exactly. But this, like, this concept that we're talking about with like really listening to your body and listening to the symptoms and, you know, treating them as messengers, like it's hard when you've kind of been, um, focused your whole life on just treating those things. So what would you say to someone who is in that spot, who is like, I don't even know how to listen to my body. And I think that it's something that a lot of people say, like, just listen to your body, just listen to your body. And, and it's like, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Like I'm here, I'm listening. (laughs) Right. Right. And you know, my body lies to me sometimes. She told me yesterday she wanted Taco Bell and I was like, you do not want Taco Bell, you know? So it's like, so how do you kind of like, um, if someone is coming to you saying that, like, I don't even know how to listen to myself. Like what, what would you say to that? Um, I definitely first say that it's a process. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if you've never done it or you're super used to, you know, band-aids or dismissing the symptoms, uh, you know, and getting frustrated, know that this isn't going to be like the first time you do it, you're going to not sit down and be like, oh, wow, I had this incredible download conversation with my body. (laughs) It was like, I knew everything, you know? (laughs) Right. And now life is great. The end. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's kind of, you have to be committed to knowing that it's going to be a process and you're building a relationship with your body in a new way, which is going to take some time. So, you know, with that in mind, then it's kind of, I encourage people to make it a practice. And the practice I like to start with is just kind of like you would start with a meditation. So you just kind of get centered you do some deep breathing, just kind of like really getting present, letting go of, you know, whatever you were thinking about before. So you're just in tune with yourself. And then when you kind of get into that space and you're able to kind of feel that, you know, I'm internally focused, I'm, I'm able to listen a little bit more Then starting to just ask your body some questions. And Mm -hmm. a couple of the ones I always like to start with is, you know, what is this, what are you trying to tell me with this symptom? And just, you ask the question kind of in your mind, and then you just give yourself a little bit of space. And mm-hmm. if you hear nothing or you, you don't get any sense, like, cause you know, we all think like it's supposed to appear a certain way, the answer, right? <laughs> like I'm mm-hmm. supposed to see a picture of it, or I'm supposed to hear words and, and it comes to people differently. So, you know, if you sit there and there's absolutely nothing, maybe just say, okay, I'm going to ask it again, gently, you know, don't spend your whole day obviously sitting there doing it, but ask a couple times and be open to how that message is going to come through. And, and images, for me, my intuition talks to me. I hear words pop into my mind. And mm-hmm. that's how I know, like, usually what's what my body wants to tell me. Or sometimes I do see images. And so asking that question, asking, you know, what does this part of me need or what does this, you know, symptom or this area of my body need from me? That's another great question to kind of play Mm -hmm. with. 
and, you know, just being patient. And if the first time you do it, you get nothing, don't give up because your body might be like, oh, does she really want to know? She hasn't talked to me in a while. I have cobwebs. (laughs) Right. Or, you know, she's always been really kind of negative and, you know, frustrated with me. And, you know, it's like, if you think about if you were really angry with a person in your life and you kind of had a fight, like, that person may not immediately sit down with you and like spill their guts (laughs) to you. Right. They might be kind of like hesitant. So your body might be kind of hesitant in that process. But if you do that, like I would say, make it a daily practice for a week, I would guess you would start to get over time, a little bit of information, at least, you know, again, it might not be that like the whole book downloading into your mind of like, this is the exact story of everything that's (laughs) happened in my life. But you might be like, oh, I think maybe it has to do something with that, that stressor in my life or that food that I'm eating. Mm. And then just kind of building on that. So letting it just be kind of a process where you're like, oh, okay, well, yesterday you told me, you know, that it has to do with my relationship with my husband and how he stresses me out. Can you tell Mm. me a little bit more about that today, body? Like what, what more do I need to know if you feel like you need more clarification? Yeah. And I think this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I, me too. And I think for me, um, because I have been there and I am, I still am there. I struggle with the, like the being connected to my body and like being able to trust her or her be able to trust me. But I think that sometimes even getting listening and getting the wrong answer ends up being the right answer. I've noticed that for me where I'm like, Nope. She's telling me that I want to eat this food that I know is going to make me feel bad. And then after I eat it and I feel bad, then that like quieter voice that was trying to talk before, but my like really loud voice was a little bit louder and is like, this is why I don't want you to eat this, you know? So there's like, there's some stuff that comes in sometimes for me with like the, um, with like, like getting the wrong answer ends up actually I'm, I'm quoting, if you aren't right. watching, I'm quoting that wrong. It's not necessarily <laughs> a wrong answer. It's your body trying to tell you something in a different way. Like, okay, you've never listened to me about this before. So I'm going to remind you maybe why you don't eat this food, or I'm going to show you, like, I can't tell you with words because I don't feel like you listened to me. So I'm going to show you why I don't want you to do that. And I think, right. I feel like that comes up for me sometimes. Yeah, I, I think that, that definitely that makes sense too. Is you know sometimes you need the clarification and kind of the negative experience, like you said, with the eat it. You know, if you followed that and you ate the Taco Bell, and then you're like, <laughs> oh, I feel so horrible. You know, oh mm-hmm. yeah, this is why you know my body actually doesn't like eating this sort of thing. You know, and then you'll get more insight. So even being open to you know when it feels like the answer was quote wrong. You know, it's like right. well, what what did I you know what do I need to learn from that? as well. We recently did an interview too that talked about how we've gotten away from our innate wiring. At the time Mm -hmm. of this recording, that hasn't come out yet, but you guys will love it. And this is reminding me of that because I feel like this is a piece of that. Not only have we gotten away from our innate wiring and nature and all the things, but we've also gotten away from listening to ourselves. And I feel like, Mm -hmm. correct me if, if, if I'm wrong, but I feel like such a big piece of that is modern life, hustle culture, constantly being in go mode. I can't remember the last time that I... So I can meditate, yes, but meditating throughout the day, let's say as I'm going on a walk or I'm in my car, I I struggle to be mindful in my normal everyday routines, Mm -hmm. but I can be mindful if I just sit there. So I feel like we have lost touch with that inner voice, that inner compass, that inner guide, because we have a lot of clutter going on outside of us. Yes. And it takes so much effort now to be in tune. And I feel like a lot of people resist that for that reason, because they're already so overwhelmed, they're already at their limit. What's something that you would, I guess, say to someone who says something like, I'm too busy to do that. I don't have time to slow down. I don't have time to stop and listen to my body. Because I hear this a lot in, in the work that I do with clients. And while I definitely think hustle culture exists and we're all really overworked, If we don't listen to our bodies, eventually they will break down. That's just an inevitability that we know is coming. Yes. (laughs) So what would you say, because I I love your approach, so I want to dive in more. What would you say to someone who says they're too busy to take that time to listen to their body and really tune in? 
I think for me, the, the quote that always stands out is one of my favorites of like, when we don't listen to our body's whispers, we have to listen to it scream, mm. you know, and that's why I'm so passionate too about working with people in a more preventative approach, because, you know, I learned the hard way. I learned by what I refer to as the two by four up to the side of my head, because my body had been trying to, you know, first kind of whisper and then have like a normal conversation. And then my body was like, okay, well, you didn't listen. So here's your two by four up the side of the head. So, yeah. you know, if you can't find five or 10 minutes now, what's going to happen if your body gets really loud, you're, you're going to wind up spending much of your days dealing with your symptoms and, and your health problems. When, you know, if you could have just taken, you know, 10 minutes, even 20 minutes would be great, but, you know, mm -hmm, starting mm -hmm. with something that's doable, you know, and your health is your foundation too. Like, I oh, think that's yes. the other thing we have to remember is I view health as really your greatest treasure and your greatest asset. And, you know, if you start messing with that, you know, later it's, you're going to really pay the price when you do get sick. I love that. I've been digging into core values lately. Mm. And so when we live in accordance with our core values, instead of our goals, we live a richer, more authentic mm -hmm. life. And one of the core values that I have is wellness. And so I, I haven't finished my list, but basically I'm writing three things under each value that I can do on a daily basis or consistent basis to stay in alignment with my core values. I feel like most people want one of their core values to be health and well-being, but sometimes it's more of a goal. And when right. they shift into core value, then it becomes something that we do no matter what. It becomes something that is important no matter what's going on. And I love your idea of 10 or 20 minutes. I tell clients that all the time. I say, hey, I want you to move your body for 10 minutes. You know, I'm not the kind of trainer who's like, get on the ground, do 100, <laughs> and then you should probably throw up after that and be really sore for five days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be punishing to your body. No. It have to be in the beginning, you know like, you know, 60 minutes of hardcore, right. or whatever, yeah, you know, right. or 60 minutes of meditation in the beginning. It's like, hey. Yeah, every day, two hours. And if you don't do it, you're a failure. It reminds me of no offense to 75 hard, but have you heard of that mm -hmm. challenge? Okay. Yeah. So there's an element of it where you have to work out two times a day for 45 minutes a piece. And so there's some big ones in there. And the one beef that I have is they say you if you mess up, you have to go back to the beginning. So you could mm -hmm. be on day 28. So there's just no room for grace. You know, mm -hmm. there's no room for just loving on yourself. So I, I like the idea of baby steps, starting over, rebounding 10 minutes at a time. And that really warms to me more than let's go hard. But I do know that some people also like to go hard, which is great. Like, yeah, you I mean, do you, boo-boo. If, <laughs> if that's the way you're wired, great, you know? Yeah. Like, my body doesn't like those kinds of things. I think most chronic illness warriors don't benefit from the other approach because we need to give ourselves as much grace as possible because each yeah. day is a little bit of a mystery, even when we're in a good place. Because I'm sure you still deal with setbacks. I'm sure not every day is perfect. And I just think that it's so important that we do the small things that add up and really appreciate those. And then it becomes almost pleasurable. It sounds lovely to go outside and talk to my body. Like my body can be my best friend. This is, I like exactly. that idea. Yeah. Well, it's with you your whole life, right? What else is with you your whole entire life? Yes. <laughs> so if 100%. we start viewing it as our best friend, we're going to treat it a lot differently than, you know, we're like, oh, you're just this like, crappy vehicle that sometimes you know <laughs> breaks down on me and <laughs> causes me all sorts of grief <laughs> yeah. i think women do that a lot with their weight too i see this right. all the time so i do i'll do a consult with someone and the things that women say about their bodies i actually stop them in the consult and i say your body will not respond to you when you speak to it like that so i didn't even realize i was already doing a little bit of this until we talked so and they'll say things about their body that I don't think they even realize they're programming that into their body. Yes. And so I, I see that all the time. Definitely. Weight is a big one where we have a hard time loving and appreciating our body if we have not gotten to some aesthetic. But I was actually 40 pounds lighter than I am now. And I was more miserable than I am now. And I think Jesse has told a similar story. When mm. we were at our quote unquote thinnest, I'm doing air quotes again, we were really miserable. And obviously mm. we still have goals that we're trying to get to, but let's also grow and find a way to get there where we can still love and appreciate our body and not basically hate it. So 
that just stood out, that stood out for me because I see it all the time in the, in the weight loss space is yes. women who uh, they have learned to hate their body because it doesn't look the way they want it to look. And right. I'm always like, okay, I say this to my clients. I literally will say like, okay, today we're going to talk positive about our body. <laughs> we're not going to say that we have, you know, whatever, whatever going on. Right. Because I want it to be an enjoyable process. I feel like weight loss, which is fine, but I don't think it should be like, it should, it shouldn't punishing. suck, basically. Right. Yeah, it shouldn't no. be like punishing your body or hating your body. It should right. be loving your body and yeah. And your body does listen, you know, when you say all those things, just like yes. you caught people in that. If you're saying, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm fat. I hate this area of my body. Yes. Hideous. Your body is listening to that. Do you really like, would you really want your best friend to hear you say those things? About yes. <laughs> when you put that in perspective, I feel like that, that always drives home. You would never say that to your best friend. So why mm -hmm. do you say it to yourself? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And even if you're not just talking about your body, you're, you're saying that about yourself. Like, why, why are we allowing ourselves to do that? You know, it is culturally seemingly appropriate and acceptable, but it's not, it doesn't make it the thing that we want to do with ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I'm kind of quietly over here, just nodding my head for this conversation, because this is definitely where I'm at right now. I've, def I've had different parts of my life where I've been much more in tune with my body, but I, I gained a ton of weight in the last few years. And I, I am having a really hard time forgiving my body for that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of blame there. There's a lot of blame toward my autoimmune disease. There's a lot of blame toward unknowns of what is still happening because I don't really think it's just my autoimmune disease that's causing the issues. And, and it's really hard because I feel like, and I've even been on the podcast talking about, and I kind of, I want to ask you about this too, about, you know, being your own advocate when it comes to your health, like you did with your health and like asking questions and doing all this stuff. I feel like I, and I'm just going to talk about it personally, because this is something that I really struggle with as positive like talking to myself positively is I can get in front of a doctor and I can, you know, get, be like, no, 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 that's not what you get to do for my body. But then I turn around and I am just the cruelest person to myself when no one else is listening. So I think that it's like, I guess my question for you is like, how do you kind of step into that advocate role of being an advocate for yourself? not only with doctors, like for yourself, how do you, how do you get out of that space? Cause I think, I think with women too, at least I know this from anytime I put up anything on Instagram about me having a hard body image day or a body talk day is they all are like me too, me too, me too, me too. And I think that there, it is really hard to get out of that system of talking so cruelly to your body. So it's like, how do you even start? I don't even know what question to ask you, but like, how do you I, I got start? it. I got we it. Got I the got gist. We got the <laughs> gist. I got it. I got what you're kind of getting at. <laughs> right, right. So I've actually been studying hypnosis recently and I actually got certified in hypnosis. So I've been looking a lot more at the, the mind and our beliefs and the subconscious. And so, you know, we're running those kind of patterns and those programs. So it sounds like, you know, that's a pattern and a program for you to go into, mm -hmm. you know, being really hard on yourself being you know getting into those negative spirals and that's all common right everybody right. probably has different areas of our life if it's not about you know body image or those sorts of things we all have areas where we're, we're hard on ourselves mm -hmm. so first just kind of recognizing that there's that pattern there and then starting to do you know you can do kind of a pattern interrupt when you catch yourself thinking like what's one of the common thoughts that comes to you that that you hear in your little mental tape. <laughs> um, I think like you're never going to be healthy. You're never going to lose weight. That's like a, a big one for me. It's like, okay, you, you can't that. do it. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. It's never going to happen. Okay. So mm -hmm. what do you want to believe instead and, and make it something that's, you know, you can kind of grab onto, you know, don't make it something that's lofty and unattainable, but what belief would you rather have than I can't do this? I can do this. <laughs> I, yep, right. Exactly. Exactly. So when you catch yourself in the loop mm -hmm. of, you know, saying, I can't do this, I'm never going to be healthy, you know, whatever variation of that pops up, you take a second and you go, nope, caught it, you know, just heard that again. And mm -hmm. you go to your reframe. No, I can do this. 
And in the mm. beginning, you'll notice you probably do it a lot. I was working on some money beliefs and I was like, good God, how many times <laughs> a day do I think these thoughts, you know, like, because once you start paying attention to it, you start being really aware of like how many times in a day you have those thoughts mm. and then you immediately shift it. And at first, you know, you'll probably still kind of like question, ah, you're saying I can do this. And, you know, one part of your brain will probably want to say, oh, no, 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 you can't, but you're just going to stick with the I can. And the more you do it and the more you interrupt that pattern the more it's going to start to change it and that's just you know one way that you can work with your conscious mind to start to interrupt that pattern so lynn are you familiar with bridge mantras this is reminding me of that so Uh here's an example i don't love my body and maybe your bridge is I'm working on loving my body. Mm. And then you work toward, I love my body. This is reminding me of that. And then the pattern interrupt to me is the most important piece because when we start to note, like you said, when we start to notice how often these things come in and kind of infiltrate our mind, to me, that's the real kicker is it's, it's the amount of times that we're being programmed on a daily basis. Right. So that's just reminding me of the bridge idea. So and I, I, I like I that like, idea. I like that too. Cause you know, that, like I was kind of alluding to don't, you know, if you're going from, you know, a belief of like, I'm never going to be able to do any of this. And then you're mm-hmm. like, I can do anything in the whole entire world. <laughs> you know, like that's not really going to be believable to your brain and your brain's going to go, ha, ha, ha. You know? Yeah, the brain is so literal. <laughs> mm. So you want to pick something that's kind of that bridge, you know, that's like I'm working on being able to accomplish, you know, my goals or I'm working on allowing my body to heal and feel its best self. Yeah, it's a little bit of that, like, what is the, what is the saying The fake it before you make it kind of now I don't love that saying for everything. Cause I think sometimes it's used in like the, the hustle culture stuff too. But like right. when it comes to that, I, I remember using that like years ago with confidence, like when I was like trying to date and stuff, I was like, we're going to pretend like we're confident, you know? So <laughs> it's almost like kind of doing a little bit of that. Cause you know, the first time that I catch myself saying, I'm trying to like my body today. My inner self is going to be like, no, the F you're not, <laughs> like, you know? So, but it's like, if, if you just keep saying those things and catching those patterns, like you're saying in the right. moment and the more you're telling yourself that the more that you can kind of rewire that, that yep. uh, bridge or whatever. Right. Yep. The more you kind of keep catching it, you know, you know, you'll notice that probably the number of times you start thinking that might decrease and then, you know, it feels more believable to go to your new belief instead of like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like, you know, ha ha. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, okay, whatever you say. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Sure. You know, or making yourself a a tape too. One of the things that I like to do with people is, you know, make a tape of some new beliefs and every day you listen to it and, you know, you do it in your own voice. So you hear yourself saying to yourself what you want to believe, you know, pick Mm -hmm. five or 10 things you want to believe about your health or about whatever area you're working on. Um, you know, just listen to it, listen to it in the morning, listen to it before you go to bed. I mean, everybody can take just a couple minutes and listen to a little audio of yourself saying what you want to believe. And in the beginning, again, it's kind of weird listening to your own voice, telling yourself these things, but you get used to it. And then you'll start to notice, you know, in the beginning, you might again, have that, uh, whatever, like, I don't believe that. But then over time, they'll be like, oh yeah, I I'm starting to get that. I'm, I'm faking it till I make it really. So Lynn, I wanted to ask you, because it sounds to me like you're a nervous system nerd like myself. I'm huge on the nervous system because it has had a, I always use the word profound. I feel like I need to find some other words to put in that (laughs) toolbox, but (laughs) profound impact on my journey. It wasn't until I started focusing on my nervous system very exclusively that I actually started to make strides that I had been trying to achieve for years. So what are some of your favorite nervous system healing modalities, let's call them, that you like to incorporate with people. And I'm just curious if we have similar, similar things we enjoy. Um, well, some of the things that I, I use come from the trainings that I've done in like body talk. So we have a technique that we call the cortices technique, and it's like a brain balancing, you know, nervous system integration technique. So I love to teach clients that because again, it's, you know, it takes like maybe a minute or two to do. So everybody can find a minute or two when you're feeling really anxious and stressed to use a tool like that. 
Um, I started my business really focusing with people on breathing. Like that's definitely Mm. a big go-to. And there's so many different ways you can work with breathing. I mean, you know, from yogic traditions to all sorts of other traditions. And again, it's something no special equipment required. You can do it anywhere. So, you know, those are two of my kind of key nervous system things. Um, I recently learned a really cool technique too for anxiety. And it's like, you do this, like you think about what's making you anxious and you do this zigzag pattern with your eyes where you go up and down and you Mm. don't blink. I don't know if either of you are familiar with it, but you just kind of keep going back and forth up and down until you basically can't keep your eyes open anymore. Like your eyes really want to blink. And then you blink like three times really, really hard. And then you think about whatever that thing is, or you take three breaths after you do the blinking and then you think about it. And that is amazing. Like I tried it on my husband once and he deals with a lot of anxiety. He's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, he went from like an eight to a three about oh, wow. what was triggering him in just, you know, again, like a minute of, I think it works basically similar to kind of EMDR where you're That's doing- what I was just thinking. I was thinking of EMDR. But EMDR needs a skilled practitioner. This sounds like something you could do from home, which is nice. It doesn't require you to, you know, drive anywhere or meet with someone. Right. And it's, you know, there's kind of a self version, right, where you're just doing, you know, oh, I'm really like anxious about having to meet with so-and-so or, you know, a big presentation I have to do at work or whatever's making you anxious, going to the doctor and, you know, getting test results. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just do this little eye pattern and then, you know, shift and downregulate my nervous system. And I feel like it really does come back to having the tools in our own hands yes. because I know that part of being on this journey is we start to feel really helpless you mentioned body talk. I did a body talk session once and this was just over the phone and it was profound. Oh my God. I use that word again. <laughs> I gotta find a new word, but I love that word. I'm so anyway. happy you've experienced it because most people don't know what it even is. Like that's my, my, you know. Okay. So this person, which was creepy that even over the phone knew that I have some liver congestion, for example, Mm. that I knew about, but this person didn't know about because I actually didn't do an extensive intake and I was bawling my eyes out. It was, it was really, it was great. And I need to do it again. It was actually something that I, I feel like I should have stuck with because it was really, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Can you talk a little, because I don't know what it is. So can you talk a little bit about what it is? Jesse, it's profound. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like most people who've never heard of it before, too. (laughs) So it's really a modality. It's an energy healing modality that's about understanding the story behind the symptoms. So Mm. it's really, we use um, intuition and then we have different protocol charts that kind of help gather the information so that, you know, it's, it's not just sitting there like quietly and like downloading a person's entire story. It's like, okay, we're on this kind of roadmap. Am I being taken? And, you know, like in, in Tina's story, you know, the liver, okay, what's going on in her liver and then mm-hmm. gathering more information. So we have different techniques that kind of balance different parts of the body. We can do some emotional processing and releasing work. Um, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, how I came to it was just through being a client. And I was like, what the heck was that kind of magic? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I didn't understand the story my body was telling me. And I was like, I had tried for three months, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that was where it came in was I was like, okay, well, I met this lady last year who said she did this thing called body talk. And, you know, like maybe she can translate what I'm experiencing. Cause it feels like my, my knee was speaking Japanese to me. And I was like, I don't know what the heck. I don't speak <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> I, I wanted that. to give you a more specific example from my, my situation and just how powerful it is. So through our conversation, she was actually able to trace back to, I, I grew up in, so I later moved to Santa Barbara, which was funny when you mentioned that. I didn't want to interrupt you at the time, but Cottage <laughs> Hospital, woo woo. Yeah. My my Grammy was a labor and delivery nurse there for 23 years. So okay. holds a special place in my heart. I was there all the time with her. So this person prior to there, I lived in a little town called Lompoc. I don't know if you guys are familiar. I am. Lompoc had an issue with water. They had water that was contaminated with some really powerful toxins. I think it had to do with spraying 
either pesticides or chemicals. Anyway, she was able to get back to that. And I hadn't even thought of that. You know, she's like, did you grow up in a place that, so it was really cool. It was, it was deep. It was deeper than I thought it would be. And she got into certain things that you just, you wouldn't know if that's how you kind of know when the method works as you come upon something that wasn't even in this zone of thinking. And then I, I hadn't even thought about the fact that I spent a few years in a town that had contaminated water. Of oh. course, that's going to affect someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know. right. yeah. And that was back when we used to drink tap water. It, it really wasn't a big thing then to filter your drink water. out of a filter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You just drink tap water. So that was just as an example, Jesse. And mm-hmm. so she was able to trace certain traumas back to my childhood in the form of the toxins and other things that it was just really cool to experience because I didn't tell her any of these things. And that's what I mm-hmm. liked about it. I, it's not like I got this big intake process. I think the intake process would ruin the integrity if it was too detailed. <laughs> so it was really cool just to see her dissect. And that's what I liked about it more than anything was things that I hadn't even thought about started to come to the surface. So I, oh. I definitely recommend it. I'm glad you mentioned it. I totally forgot about that. I don't know how. <laughs> Uh, it's it's cool too because clients sometimes go, "How did you know about that thing that happened when I was twelve? Like, you know, right. wow, it really like it was really traumatic." It's it's only because as a practitioner, you're you know guided to that age and you know particular story for the person. It's it's not a process where you you get somebody's whole entire life story as you're you know sitting there working on them. It's only like the pieces that are the most relevant that float up to the surface and and you know need to be seen basically. Right. I love that. So one of my favorite questions that I like to ask the guests on the podcast is what are some things that you like to do every day that keep you feeling your best? Oh, that's a great question. So I usually, (laughs) I usually start my day with exercise of some various form, whether that's, you know, walking or going out in nature. Um, I like, you know, doing different types of dance workouts because that my body likes that and it makes me happy too. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I usually kind of get into some meditation time before I start my day. So those are kind of two of my foundational morning, you know, practices where I'm getting centered. I also do some self-hypnosis in the morning as well to kind of whatever area I'm working on. And Mm -hmm. then I also like to prioritize, you know, moments of break during the day where I'm kind of resetting my nervous system, taking some breaths and just kind of coming back to center. And then at bedtime, really making a a practice of winding down. Like I like to take Mm -hmm. a nice warm bath before I go to bed, try and, you know, read rather than like be on my phone or, you know, all of the things that probably we've heard of that we shouldn't do at bedtime that sometimes can be hard to avoid. Mm, I love that. And we're just curious because I know many people are going to want to work with you, learn about the things you talk about. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do? Yeah, definitely. My website is heartfirehealingllc.com. And so that's a great place to reach out, connect, um, you know, read more about my work. You can book a consultation if you want to have a free chat and, and learn a little bit more about how I might be able to help. And kind of my primary social media is Instagram. So I'm mm-hmm. Heartfire Healing PDX at, on Instagram. Perfect. Love that. And we'll have everything linked in the show notes and in the blog post as well. So, and in our social media posts, so everybody can find you quickly that way as well. But I guess my last question for you is, is there anything that we missed today or anything else that you would like to tell the listeners of the podcast? I think just, you know, going back, circling back to that point of, you know, making small steps. I think that's always Mm -hmm. a good place to kind of leave a reminder is that, you know, it can feel really overwhelming to make changes in your life and in your health. Mm -hmm. And we can have a laundry list of 20 things that we think we need to change. And if you try to change 20 things at once, you're probably not going to change even one of them. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you pick one of them and you you really get that one dialed in and then, you know, add something to it from the list, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier than trying to change your whole entire life because your brain's Mm going to go, that's too much. I can't, you know, (laughs) not eat those things and exercise this way. And I need to do, you know, meditation and at least an hour of meditation. It's it's just not going to happen. So take your baby steps and, you know, congratulate yourself for taking the baby steps. It's, you know, you're making progress, even if it seems like it's, again, the baby steps, they, they add up. You can get far with baby steps. 
Absolutely. Hustle culture does not work for the average normal person. And it definitely doesn't work for someone who's dealing with chronic illness. Just no. period. I'm so anti-hustle culture. I even went out of my way to be a keyboard warrior yesterday, which is how much I hate hustle culture. There was, I don't, I don't like cancel culture, so I won't say who it was, but there was a celebrity who basically is an entrepreneur who posted that we have to be willing to work 24 hours a day, give up family time and all this other bullshit. And I, I, I was like, this is sad. You need to do better. I just kind of went off. I just couldn't believe that's not success. Success yeah. is not measured in that. There is yeah. nothing successful about that. And I think people just have that misconception about success. So anyway, I totally agree with you. And that's, that's the antidote to hustle, hustle culture is learning how to appreciate the little things, quite frankly, because hustle culture tells you you can't be satisfied until you've reached some elusive summit, you know, right. and then you reach and that summit, and then you need the next thing. I was just going to say, exactly. You probably reached that summit and you're still not satisfied. Right. So why not like enjoy now? What a crazy and, concept. And right? what did like, you sacrifice to get to that summit? You know, yes. your health, your relationships, your yes. sanity. Like. It's like, great, you're a millionaire and you have no one. Cool. Enjoy <laughs> right. that and, life. And, and you're burning out your adrenals. Good. Right. Good for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. No offense right. to any millionaires who may be listening, but you know, there's other ways to get there. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We're really excited for our listeners to, to hear this episode and we really enjoyed having you on. So thank you for sharing your expertise with us, for helping me through some personal things that I'm struggling with. I, I really appreciated your time. Yeah, I enjoyed thank it you, Lynn. Too. Thank you.